Have you tried CTC math yet with your child? Here's a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. I love seeing them enjoy this math program and grow in their mathematical journey. Thank you so much for all that you are doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I'm back today with Janice Campbell. She's part of our Meet the Cast lineup, and I'm so glad that you've joined us again. If you have missed our conversation on Monday and Wednesday, go back and listen to those. You are going to be encouraged. She is a veteran homeschool mom, and she is a speaker. Um, She speaks at homeschool conventions all around the nation, and she teaches parents like you and me how to teach our kids. She's done this for years and years. Janice, when did you, you started homeschooling back in the 80s, right? Right. It was the late 1980s. My oldest was born in 84, and so I started seeing him grow, and I knew I didn't want him going off on that nice yellow school bus that stopped right at our corner so conveniently. (laughs) Oh man, I remember in the movie you talk a little bit about how you went to your very first homeschool convention and it was the state convention and there were like 80 people there. Two tables. (laughs) Two tables. And you said they were, you know, maybe eight foot long, maybe six feet long. And that was, that was all the homeschool curriculum there was. And it was just so exciting for you to be there at yeah. that convention. And I can't even imagine now because you look at the conventions that we have today and to imagine that, you know, what was that 35 years ago, 36 years ago, right. you know, they were so much smaller and um, you didn't yeah, have the support new. that we have today. Do you find that now, it, now put yourself in the place of a homeschool mom today with all the resources that we have and then go back to what you had 36 years ago and the few resources that you had, do you think that it is easier to homeschool today with all of the stuff that we have? Or do you think it was easier to homeschool then when it was just more simple? Well, I think it depends on the kind of homeschooler you are, because I looked at all the curriculums that were on that table, at the, you know, on mm-hmm. those tables at the homeschool f- curriculum fair, and most of them were recycled public school things. There were a few things from Abeka. There were, you know, a few other things, but they were all textbook based. And I looked at those things and I thought, well, that's not what I'm planning to do. Right. (laughs) Because I had been reading and reading and reading back in history about education and how people were educated and um, doing just a lot of study and praying about how we could educate. And so had come across fragments of classical education and also Charlotte Mason. And so I just started cobbling things together. So for me, it didn't make a whole lot of difference that there wasn't things. But I think now the smorgasbord of choices can be a little daunting for some families. Sure. But if you if you can settle on what style of homeschooling you want to do, mm-hmm. if you want to focus on living books and that kind of thing, or if you want textbooks, there's something for you. And if you go to a homeschool conference, you're doubtless going to find representatives of both types of learning. And 
I think if you're if you're careful and prayerful, you're going to be drawn toward what is going to work for your family. Yeah, yeah. I always tell moms though, you're going to make mistakes on the curriculum that you choose. Yes. You're going to have things that don't fit, don't work, and you're the teacher. That's it's right. your teacher training. You can adapt it. You can change it. You can get rid of it and start over. Yeah. It's okay. That's right. That's right. I'm going to ask you a quick question because uh, you you mentioned this really quickly. And it's something that I know when I first started homeschooling, I was like, living books? What in the world is a living book? Can you just very briefly talk about that? Because I want we're going to talk about teaching teens today. But that does kind of go along with teaching teens um, and, and homeschooling. What exactly are living books? A living book is a book that conveys an idea with passion. It's usually written by one person who's an expert in the topic and passionate. It can be fiction or nonfiction, though. Um, a story, just thinking back to the schooling that you went through or your childhood, is there a book that you remember that stands out because it moved you, it changed you in some way, it helped you grow? Mm -hmm. um, that's a living book. And for me, one of my first early bo living books was Island of the Blue Dolphins. It created, it opened up a new world for me of you know, California history and all of that. But for some reason, I just had a great identification with the girl in the story mm -hmm. who had to survive on this island alone. And it was it was delightful. Okay. So so living books really are books that you have a connection to, that you they can personally books, connect yes. with. Or books that have stood the test of time down through the centuries, like Plutarch's Lives, they're great stories of the Greek and, you know, they ha they're pairs of Greeks and Romans, mm -hmm. you know, so a Greek character, Roman character, and they're compared and contrasted and just right. walked through. Right. And it's a delightful way to get acquainted with historical characters. It brings them to life and gives yep. you a memorable hook on, you know, which to hang your memories. Yes, absolutely. I love reading historical fiction with my girls um, because... I, I think it, it helps to explain really what's happening, you know, and, and I say fiction, but historical fiction with some truth um, right. in it, but, you know, made up characters because it's so much more fun than just reading a textbook. And textbooks, I think, are really helpful sometimes too. And, and we have those, we use them, we need them. Um, but oftentimes reading a book about history really does help to put you in, it, it, it brings you into this, the story. Um, Absolutely. Instead of just reading facts about it on a, in a textbook. Right. And if you, I don't know if you've noticed, but the biographies that were written, you know, probably 50 or more years ago, they're very often told in a storytelling fashion. And mm -hmm. anything told in a storytelling fashion is going to usually be more interesting sure. than something that's a dry encyclopedia entry. Right. And so, you know, modern biographies for children sound like Wikipedia. Right. <laughs> but the older ones, they have the character, the person that is being spoken of is created as a character and they there's dialogue and all of that. And so they become so much more real. Right. And you can read all the totally factual ones when you get, when your children get older, but um, the, starting them out with the landmark biographies or other mm -hmm. biographies like that that have the creativity in them 
is a good way to get them to fall in love with history. Yeah, love it. All right, well, let's talk about teaching teens. Um, we, we've given kind of seven steps to teaching, but I want to hone in specifically on teens. And like I said, this can be a really scary topic if you've just brought your teen home from school, whether they're middle school or high school. Um, this seems to be the most intimidating part of school. It's the part that I think most parents, they think, well, you know, I can, I'll do okay. I can teach my kids up through fifth or sixth grade. But once we get into the middle school years and especially in high school, it just gets scary. And it was like that for me as well. I, I just was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I barely made it through high school and I don't know how we're going to get through this, but God is faithful and, and we're in our second year and we're, we're all still alive and breathing. So, um, so bring us some encouragement for teaching teens through high school, but first let's take a break and then we'll come back and tackle this. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com. We're back with Janice. We're going to talk about homeschooling high schoolers. Um, so I'm going to let you dig into this. Okay. The first thing I want to remind parents is when you're starting to feel nervous about it and your child is only in second grade, <laughs> realize that you're not leaping into it tomorrow. You are going to get there incrementally, inch by inch, little by little. And by the time you get there, it's not going to be as big and it's not going to be as scary. I think um, sometimes we forget that we're not having to teach every single thing ourselves. Right. We can find mentors. We can find people who really understand a subject. And so many of the homeschooling curriculums we have access to now, they come with a the tutor or they are written to be self-directed. I have a classic literature curriculum that I wrote and I designed it to be self-directed because, you know, one of my taglines for it says, you know, you can teach classic literature to your teens, even if you don't know Beowulf from Virginia Woolf, uh -huh. um, because a lot of parents don't, they don't remember classic literature. They yeah. never actually studied it at all. Yeah. And, but yet you want to give your children that heritage. And so, so many of us who have written curriculum have done it in a way that parents in the high school years, all you have to do is give it to your kid right. and they will, they will be able to do it because we've written it to them. Um, and another thing is that by the time you get to those years, one of the things that might loom large is the transcript um, or keeping records because you have to keep records because what if on that transcript, maybe the transcript's not an issue, but on your transcript, what if a college admissions counselor says, what did you study for British literature? And you didn't keep really good records and you don't remember because all they did was read a textbook and you don't remember specific readings or whatever. So um, it's important to learn how to keep basic records, mm -hmm. but records and transcripts are paperwork. Sure. They're not what matters about going through high school with your children. 
And so they can, you know, you can learn to do that easily. I have a book called Transcripts Made Easy. We'll teach you everything you need to know. But the thing that is the most important is preparing your child for their future. Aristotle said that educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all. Mm -hmm. And so as we prepare our students, we are not just thinking about academics. We're focusing on helping them become people of character, people of honor, virtue, wisdom, all of those things. Those are those things are very important. And it's also very, very important to teach the student you actually have. So many families feel like, oh my goodness, you know, we've got to send all our children to college because that's what everybody does right after high school. And not every child is going to go to college. Yeah. Not every child wants to or is or is meant to. Right. But each child that you have is going to have gifts and talents of his or her own. And you'll see those emerging as they're starting to grow. And you can pull in different things to feed those talents. You can let them take extra classes. You can have extra books or videos or movies or whatever helps develop who they are. Finding a mentor, if they have an interest in apprenticing in some way, letting them take some classes at the community college, if yeah. that fits your child. There are so many resources that are absolutely outstanding for kids, whether they want to go to college or not. Yeah. And each one is a completely viable option. What are, What do you think is the most important thing to focus on in high school? Making sure the kids' communication skills are up to snuff. Okay. No matter what major they go into, no matter what business they go into, if, I mean, it doesn't matter if they own a plumbing company someday, they're going to need to communicate with everybody in their entire world from suppliers to customers and to know how to do so clearly, concisely, tactfully, courteously, all of those things. And the communication piece is if you teach nothing else in all your 12 years, communication is primary. Okay. So, and communication is not just language arts. We sometimes make the mistake of thinking that, but it's in addition to um, writing, mm-hmm. you have to learn to read. So right. reading and writing are a pair. Mm-hmm. Listening and speaking are a pair because you have your communication skills come in pairs, in, out. Right. Um, and then seeing and drawing as okay. well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, because we live in a tremendously graphic culture right now. We, right. You know, people have to draw to be able to communicate. And you, your student also has to be able to read patterns and blueprints and mm-hmm. instructions and all of that. So, it's all part of it. Yeah. Communication is an interesting to th- thing to think about when you think about the personalities of our kids. You know, you've typically, if you have more than one kid, you might have one who's an introvert and one who's an extrovert. And I think when in speaking, you talk about speaking and listening, but in speaking communication, we might think that the student who is a talker is a great communicator. And the one who's the more quiet reserved one is not a great communicator, but that's not necessarily the case. Just because someone talks a lot does not mean they're a good communicator. It just might mean that they have a lot of words And a lot of times those words don't necessarily mean anything. Whereas the one who's more reserved often can form their words more articulately and be able to communicate more effectively. How do we teach our kids to communicate well? Now, obviously reading 
is one of those things. And we've talked a lot about writing um, and, and making all the connections with the different things that we're learning, but how can we really effectively teach our kids to be excellent communicators? Cause I agree. I think that is one of the most important things we can teach our kids. It's shocking to me when we go anywhere in public, you know, if you go to a restaurant or a, you know, retail store and you have these kids who talk to you and they, they don't even know how to look you in the eyes. I mean, they're just so, they just seem so insecure in themselves. Yes. So how can we teach that to our kids? It's, it's a matter of starting young, yeah. preferably and, and reminding your children, we're all human. Each one of us, this is a person we're going to meet and, you know, what do we know about this person? Sometimes when they're young, I, mm -hmm. I used to do that. And this person likes something, you know, maybe gardening or whatever. Yeah. So if you would like to have a little conversation with this person, ask them how their garden's doing this mm -hmm. year. Or, you know, kind of giving them a tip if you have, because mine were all introverts. All of us okay. pretty much are introverts. <laughs> and so that proves to be a little bit of a challenge because sure. you don't get as much. We had one who would monologue and tell us everything he had learned about history and classical music um, in exhaustive detail. Uh -huh. And it was very interesting, <laughs> but sometimes it precluded other conversations. Sure. Um, so, and teach your children that conversation is give and take. And if there's, they have trouble with that, even among themselves, mm -hmm. have a ball. And the ball has to go back and forth at a particular time. Sure. Um, you know, or have a rule, no, no more than three consecutive sentences because it's challenging but right. a lot of times the editing becoming more concise more proficient in putting words together is learned through the learning to write well sure yeah learning to speak and of course if you have a child who is prone to liking to speak and wants to speak well debate team learning you know any public speaking class can be good mm-hmm lots of skills practice the mcguffey readers have amazing instructions for elocution which is public speaking articulation and all of those things they are a fabulous resource especially up toward the fifth and sixth readers okay yep yeah. those are great i, I got the mcguffey readers a couple years ago for free at a nice. homeschool uh, curriculum book sale and uh, they were on the free table. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was That's like, wow. amazing. Yeah. Felt like I had struck gold. I want to go back really quick. We just have a minute left, but I want to go back really quickly to um, teaching teens to kids, uh, teaching to teens who are just coming home for the first time. Maybe they've been in traditional school for their whole childhood. And because of all the craziness going on in the world right now, mom and dad are like, nope, we're not doing this. We're going to homeschool. Um, but they've never been homeschooled before. What encouragement can you give to those parents? Okay. The first thing to remember is your children might need to take a semester of detox. Mm -hmm. uh, they may need to not have the kind of super structured academics let them know we're going to spend a semester reading to find out where, you know, we're going to read great stuff. We're going to find out where you are. We're going to watch some his, you know, science shows, some history shows. Mm -hmm. We're going to do things like that. Um, and maybe do some things as a family. You've got to strengthen the relationship as a family yep. first, I think, and let them detox as yep. we mentioned from, um, from just the practices of institutional schooling, because right. what institutional schooling does is make the student just a passive recipient. Mm -hmm. They're used to just 
sitting there and having knowledge poured over them or information poured over them, not even knowledge. And they don't have to absorb it. They can hold it long enough to regurgitate it on a test. But the paradigm has to shift. They have to understand that learning is something they do. Right. And you're going to present this feast of great ideas. You're going to give them utensils with which to learn. And I refer to the utensils as the three essential skills, communication, thinking, and numerical skills. Mm-hmm. So you're going to give them those. Um, but take the time to focus and improve the relationship. Find out where they are academically and start from there. Okay. And try to connect with other homeschoolers of you know, that are of the same age, if at all possible. Sure. Yeah. This is where co-ops are amazing um, and very, very helpful. Um, If they're trying to figure out where their student is academically, that's something that I would imagine would be hard for any parent to do who's not been a teacher. Um, Is there, is there a good way to figure out exactly where they are and where to pick up? It's there, there are some of the curriculum providers that provide little placement tests on their website, but that's okay. a little bit random just trying to find that. Sure. Um, I, one of the things, if it were me, I would probably s- sit down with them and read a classic piece of literature that I felt like would be appropriate for a, a student that age and have discussions, just, mm-hmm. you know, little discussions and kind of see if th- what they're first, their reading comprehension, what their understanding, what their ability to discuss is. And then, um, you know, with history and science, you know what they've studied because you will have access to the school transcript and you'll have records probably. But with math, they will probably need a placement test Mm -hmm. of some kind. And, um, you know, the McGuffey readers, which we mentioned before, are a great resource for seeing, you know, because they were intended to go from the beginning of school to the end of school, right. you know, see where your students place in there. Just right. find, you know, have them pick up one and read until it gets hard. Right. Starts getting hard. Right. Okay. That's great. This is also, I think, an opportunity that's a really great way for some veteran and seasoned homeschool moms to come alongside new homeschool moms. And this is where moms are going to have to just swallow their, you know, maybe shyness or embarrassment or pride and be willing to ask other homeschool moms who have done this for a long time and maybe they have high schoolers or they've graduated their high schoolers and just say, Hey, I'm no clue what I'm doing. Please help me. And, you know, across the board, I think most veteran homeschool moms would be more than delighted to be able to come alongside these new homeschool moms and help them in any way they can. So, um, Janice, thank you so much for your time and your encouragement today. I appreciate it so much. And I am so grateful again, that the Lord has uh, just called you to what he's called you to. You have a great ministry. I love everything that you're doing and just the help that you are providing for equipping homeschool moms like myself to, uh, start strong and to finish well through these um, years of educating our kids. So we appreciate you very, very much. And people can find out more about you again at everydayeducation.com. We will put those links in the show notes. I'll also link to a couple of the books that Janice mentioned um, through the podcast. So thank you, Janice, so much. Thanks for having me. I love what you're doing too. Thank you so much for what you do for the homeschool community. Oh, absolutely. It is our joy and our pleasure. Thank you guys for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we will see you back here on Monday with another fantastic guest. Bye.
Every year, parents just like you are discovering Classical Conversations, a vibrant, supportive, Christian homeschooling program that's been equipping parents since 1997 with the resources, tools, guidance, and encouragement they need to homeschool their children with confidence and prepare them for a lifetime of success. Visit our website at classicalconversations.com to find a nearby community and learn more about homeschooling the Classical Conversations way. Classical Conversations. Christian homeschooling simplified.